Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Covers all things NFL for NFL.com. Nick Shook joining us on the show. Nick, what's going on, my man? Hey, Spencer. Thanks for having me on. How are you? Absolutely, brother. Yeah, good to hear from you. I'm glad this is hopefully the start of, of many conversations we get to have as we get ready for the NFL season here. And we'll, and we'll start... Uh, close to home here with the with the Cleveland Browns because I think if you walk away from Friday night's game, fans probably pretty satisfied with what you saw from the first team offense for the first time this this off season, particularly with what you saw from Deshaun Watson, who looked much more comfortable than he did at this point last year. Just what were some of your big takeaways from both the starters, Deshaun, but also just the game on Friday night? Well, you know, I thought. You make you make a good point there. I think that's the one that everybody really takes away from it is that Deshaun just looked more comfortable, more as if he'd actually gotten significant reps on a field before just being thrown out there. Because you don't get those in the regular season, you know, right. in a week of practice in week 13, but you do in training camp. And he looked not only comfortable on the field, but he looked like he knew what to do within the offense. Now, of course, offenses are going to be pretty vanilla in the preseason, so it's not like you're going to be dealing with something overly complex. But at the same time, you know, he – he improvised when he needed to, you know, he got away from the sack and took off. Um, you know, the only play that I thought, you know, they probably could have done over is uh, I think it was third and goal from the one either third or fourth and goal. Uh, when they, it looked like it was a read option. It may not have been a read option, but if it, the backside defensive end was unblocked and, and that would tell me that it probably was a read option. He made the wrong read, which led the running back to get stuffed in the backfield for a loss. Otherwise the way they went down the field so quickly, um, was you know just really excellent, really impressive. Um, Elijah Moore getting involved, and this is of course not 100% your starting offense, but pretty close. Demetri Felton, I thought, popped a little bit, which is going to be an interesting situation at running back as well. But it all starts with Deshaun, and I think Watson looked much better uh, than he did last year, and it should be an encouraging sign as they go into the season because this whole season's going. You know, it's not it's not as simple as you know you go as the quarterback goes, but if he doesn't play well, then the rest of the season yeah. is not going to go well. Yeah, I, I think that's obviously where a lot of people's heads are at, and it makes a lot of sense. I I started the show pretty incensed about one thing in particular. It's the, the Browns kicking situation with Cage York. I think obviously fans are getting a little worried and, and concerned, and some maybe a little bit more than others, because the team continues to just cite how great he's been at the Greenbrier and training camp. And listen, that's all fine and good, but when the bright lights come on, he's not getting it done even in the preseason and in this league. And at that position in particular – there's just no time for draft and develop. You either got it or you don't. So what is your level of concern at this point with Kay Jork? And what's it going to take for the Browns to maybe reconsider things? 
uh, another kicking talent becomes available that they feel confident enough in pursuing because I think the Dallas Cowboys are also in this situation right now. They have Brandon Aubrey, who is a uh, mm. former USFL kicker, a former MLS soccer player, uh, kicking for them right now because Tristan Vizcaino was not good enough and, and had about as bad of a camp as you could, um, kind of like how Cade York's having in the preseason, and they got rid of him and just left it up to Brandon Aubrey. So, uh, I, I think that that kind of tells you everything you need to know about available kickers elsewhere. Uh, now, <laughs> Robbie Gold is, you know, a veteran who could potentially, you know, be of interest, but he's also stated that he, you know, only really wants to play for a contender, and, and he's, I think at this point, he's shown that he's willing to wait it out. So if there's not that many options, then, you know, the worst thing you could do is rattle a kid's cage when it's already pretty rattled, right? Uh, if, if there's not a better option or, or at least a comparable option out there. Now, if there is a comparable option, you bring that in and you see if you can push them in camp. Uh, and we're getting to the end of camp now. We're, you know, headed toward week two of the preseason now. Uh, regular season is going to be here before you know it. So you better figure this out pretty damn, darn quick. So uh, it's it, what he, you've seen from him in the Hall of Fame game and what you saw from him on Friday night, not encouraging. Now, he did bounce back in the Hall of Fame game with the extra points, but the field goals, you know, the field goals from around the same distance that he's pushing right. You've got to get that fixed. You need consistency from your kicker more than anything. And, and it, I know that the Browns are a much better team than they were for much of the first two decades in which they returned from the NFL, but I'm sure Browns fans miss the days of Phil Dawson right now. No doubt about it. You know, it's it's. I know it's Sunday, Nick, but you could have said pretty damn quick instead of darn quick. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to Nick Shook on the North Olmsted Christ, the Jeep Dodger Ram Hotline. Follow him on Twitter, at the Nick Shook. Uh, in terms of expectations for the Browns this year, because we know there's a lot riding on this season. It starts with Deshaun, as you alluded to. But, you know, a lot of people, and I, I think fans would say, you know, playoffs are bust. And I think that's a fair stance to have. But when you look at the AFC, there could be a scenario where this team finishes 10-7 and 7 and they ended up missing the playoffs potentially. So, what do you kind of think the barometer is for this team and where should fans heads be at in terms of not necessarily feeling like if they don't make the playoffs or whatever, they have to blow it up. I've kind of said if they finish 10 and seven or somewhere around there and miss the playoffs, that the circumstances matter. Like was the, did they lose games because Kevin Stefanski, you know, messed up a couple in game decisions that cost them or did they, did they lose games because K Jork was missing field goals and they maybe should have looked at it. Like that's the type of stuff I'm looking at here. But what do you think is the, the ex should, should the expectation be for fans in terms of keeping things kind of uniform and not having to blow it up come, come off season? Well, I mean, I think the 10 win mark is probably a safe target. Uh, if your quarterback plays well, you could certainly win 11 or 12 games. If it doesn't play well, you're not going to touch 10 games. Um, but I think 10 is ideal because, you know, you could make the playoffs at that. You could also, you know, if, as soon as you said 10-7 and missing the playoffs, I was like, ah, shade the 2007 all over again. I was just talking to Josh Cribbs about this a couple weeks ago. and it was, it was the same thing where it was like, you know, we won 10 games, but we didn't win the right 10 games is what he told me. And, and he's right. And so the Browns are going to have to try to, you know, if they were to get to that 10-win mark, they're going to have to try to avoid, you know, losing the – the, the games that you don't want to necessarily lose. Um, I think more than anything, it's with the addition of the third wild card, you know, that, that Browns team in 07 would have made it if there was a third wild card back then. Um, and I think that it opens up the avenues for you to make the playoffs at a number like 10 wins. And I think 10 wins is successful. I don't think that you necessarily judge the whole Stefanski situation off of whether to make the playoffs or not, because if you win 10 games and you lose a tiebreaker to 
the Jets or something. And, well, actually, now that I think about it, that's a late season game. Too. Yeah. They lose that yeah. game. That oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, circumstances <laughs> do matter. I don't know. I mean, I th- I don't think it should be playoffs or bust. If you win ten games, I think it's it could position the team for, you know, kind of what they went into in '08, which is like we're going to be even better. Everyone's coming back, uh, except that there's real reason for that uh, belief because they're not a team filled with aging veterans that just had one great year left in them, and so. You know, it, but at the same time, I also thought that they would consider firing him last year. So, if you if you if you win ten games and you lose a game like the, to the Jets late in the season and they get in the wild card over you or something like that, then yeah, I could see that happening. It, it, because you feel like you're so close in that instance, but at the same time, you know the talent is on this team and you hear it every summer. It's you know this is the most talented team they've had in years, and and they're not producing, and you and you know patience runs out. So. Yeah. Uh, that's tough. I, <laughs> circumstances do matter. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah, I think that is the key sort of to all this. Uh, did you watch the Johnny Manziel documentary this week, Nick? I did. And um, What did you, you think? Know, I don't want to I don't want to bash the untold series, but a lot of their documentaries leave me feeling a little unsatisfied. It feels more like a trip down memory lane. Maybe it's because I'm old. Uh, then it does like getting to the end of of a you know of a story. Like I had something you know revelatory shown to me. Um, yeah. it, it like the Manziel thing. It was like okay, well, first off, they made him look like a, a superhuman to lead Texas A&M from this podunk school that just happened to join the SEC and and you I, mean, know, I, I didn't oh, even think about that, but you're right. That it, that was yeah. something they kind of spun. Yeah, and it's like, dude, he had a ton of studs on that team. Mike Evans was on that team. They never mentioned him the entire time. You could see him in the clips. They never mentioned him. And then you get all the way through to the end of it, and it's like, you know, there were some details revealed. Like, I didn't, you know, know that how serious his situation had gotten, had gone, that he'd gone on that bender, that he was doing drugs every day, that he considered taking, you know, basically yeah. tried to take his own life. I mean, that's all, you know, very deep, you know, serious, heavy stuff. But at the end of the documentary, I was like, I, I don't feel they never end the documentary as well for me. And that one didn't end very well. So I think I gave it like a seven out of 10 overall. Um, it was interesting to see him admit that like he, you know, the last thing he wanted to do was play football in the NFL because that's how he conducted himself. But, you know, of course you don't believe that from somebody who is a first round pick right. and then they come back and, and, you know, he, like he says the day I got cut all the weight that the world was lifted off my shoulders. It's like, wow. Right. And it has nothing to do with Cleveland. I think it's just him and his own situation in life. And it's, it's very um, interesting to hear that after all these years. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was, for me, it was interesting to see kind of a look in because when, when he rose to the, on, on, like when he burst on the scene after being Alabama, it, they were right in that, you know, freshman didn't talk with with Kevin Sumlin. He didn't let him talk. So there was kind of some mystique to who this guy really was. We didn't really know a lot about him. And so to kind of get a peek behind the, the, the player and the guy in the helmet of what he was dealing with mentally as a 19-year-old who just, like, becomes this overnight sensation, I, I, that, was, that was kind of interesting to hear that's probably what started him down the path that he went on where he was just in love with the fame and the fortune and everything he was getting wrapped up in. Um, but I think you're right in that it didn't necessarily feel like a satisfying ending, especially because they spent the last 20 minutes on the Browns and it just felt like they were just rushing to get to the end of it rather than they could have done two parts because they could have done a whole episode just on his time in the NFL with the Browns. And I would have appreciated, I think, more perspective from guys who were with him around that time when he was with the Browns as well. So I think yeah, you're right. I feel you probably come away feeling you know, a little um, unsatisfied because – 
you know, you're like, well, I really want to know what happened with the Browns. But I think the the good part about the way that they set all that up, and they did, it did feel like they were rushing the end. They've done this a few times. That's why I feel unsatisfied yeah. watching a lot of these episodes. They just kind of rushed the end and don't really conclude it properly. But in this instance, I thought it kind of did because he was already on this, like, crash course to nowhere as he entered the NFL. Like, you know, his former yeah. agent describing all the things they had to go through just to get him to look like a draftable player prior to the draft. Um you know, it, all of that combined, it kind of made sense that he flamed out. But at the same time, you know, you go back to saying, you're talking about how, you know, Manziel was an overnight star, right? And and I think his mom, even in that documentary, said something about, uh, I saw the fear in his eyes. And I was like, oh, I, I know, like, I, I, I now looking back, I can see that. But you know who else dealt with that and became an overnight star? The people don't give enough of a break. Odell Beckham Jr. Mm. The same thing happened to him. Now, granted, at the NFL level, he was still more of a star then. But that one catch he made turned him into a yeah. worldwide superstar and nobody can ever be prepared for that. So when people judge Odell over the many years, I'm always like, man, take a second to think like this is how quickly he went from being a up and coming NFL receiver with a bright future to a global phenomenon. It's a very measured response. I like that. Talking with Nick Shook here on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. A few more minutes with him. Uh, t- let's get back to present day NFL and elsewhere in the division. A lot of love for Kenny Pickett. He seems like kind of the flavor of the month right now with people making bold claims about him maybe being an MVP candidate at some point. And I'm not going to sit here and say that he's garbage and he'll never amount to anything. I just think, based on the sample size that we have, it feels a little premature to crown him. Where's your head at in regards to Pickett? Are people being too overzealous when it comes to him or and just kind of looking at it because of the jersey that he wears? I like how you ended that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because it's a little bit of both. I think I've, I've felt like I've been pretty early on the train of people are not paying enough attention to the Steelers. I know people include are not going to like to hear me say that, but it's true. I think the Steelers did everything right in the offseason that they needed to to position themselves to be a competitive team. A lot of it really does come down to how Kenny Pickett plays. Now, down the stretch of the you know last season, he gave you reasons to be encouraged, but in totality from the time he took the field, you know, he missed the game or whatever, and then came back. Uh, there's still a lot of room for improvement. Now, you talk about you know him and George Pickens and their relationship, and and how you know it's just going to continue to grow, and they're going to be this great connection. And they're finally going to throw the ball deep after they haven't thrown the ball deep in years. They, you know, like I think they're the lowest percentage. Uh, they have the lowest percentage among NFL teams last year in terms of throwing the ball. You know, downfield. Yeah. I think you know 19 plus yards, whatever it is. Um, and and so you know you look at their whole roster and you think all right yeah like I could see it I could definitely see it here is Kenny Pickett going to take the next step uh, crowning him an MVP is insane like saying he's going to win a future MVP is insane like you just don't have enough context to it yet to be able to really say that I would say that about Trevor Lawrence before I'd say it about Kenny Pickett Trevor Lawrence okay. played another year in the league and actually proved a little bit to me last year uh, he's a couple steps ahead of Kenny Pickett and even then I'm still not necessarily going to say that so. Uh, that those projections are, are kind of crazy, but I think it does have a little bit to do with the, the jersey that he wears. Yeah, I think you're right about that. But I do think this season is going to be better. I, I think that this is going to be a four-team race in the AFC North. It really is going to be one of the toughest divisions in football, and the Steelers are going to have a say in that. Along those lines, not only the AFC North being very tough, but the AFC in general is very tough. But with how much love is being shown to a lot of these teams, which of the teams that maybe is getting hyped up as a, a contender out of the AFC that's going to make life hard for other opponents – is maybe more poised to not meet that expectation, you think, and maybe take a step back? 
Uh, the first one on top of my list, and I might just be a hater, and I could be way wrong, but I just got this weird feeling that the New York Giants are not going to be very good this year. Mm. <laughs> I just feel like what they did last year was them at their peak with a quarterback who threw for less than 3,000 yards. Um, I mean, and then they paid him $40 million a year. It's just kind of crazy yeah. Uh, yeah. that they ended up winning as many games as they did. And, and, you know, if you track their season, you see how they did it. The defense, you know, really helped out. Um, they did enough offensively to win. Brian Dable, you know, got all the credit in the world for it. And he did coach his tail off. It was good. But um, I just don't see it on paper as them being that much better to where they're going to take the next step and really live up to all these expectations. It happens to a team every year. Minnesota Vikings, also not going to be as good. <laughs> That's easier to see because, well, not only did they get beat by that Giants team in the playoffs last year, but they've trimmed the roster significantly of their veteran talent uh, in an effort to get younger and save some money. So I, I feel very confident that they're not going to be a 13-win win team. They probably won't even be, I don't know, a 9-win team. Um, I think they're going to be much wow. worse. So I, and otherwise, the rest of the darlings, at least on the NFC side, um, I don't know. I mean, they – the, the South is wide open. Uh, we're going to hear a lot about Baker Mayfield because he's Baker Mayfield and because he's replacing Tom Brady in, in Tampa. But will that ever produce anything? I don't know. I think it's I think it's kind of low hanging fruit to be like the Buccaneers aren't going to be that good because they weren't that good last year with right. Tom Brady. So they have talent, but that division is wide open. So I'd probably go Giants, Vikings, and then here's a crazy one. Why not just uh, even though I just said it's going to be a four-team race in the AFC North, I think the Ravens will be the worst team in the division this year. Mm, Nick, we're on the same page with that. I, I've been saving that take for a little bit to we get closer to the season, but I, something about it, man. I, new offensive coordinator, I know they're going to try to let Lamar air it out a little bit more with Todd Munkin, and they added some receivers, but, I mean, and, and again, I don't mean to slander Odell. We just had a conversation about him, but it's it's Odell after another knee surgery and then some unknown younger commodities. I'm with you. I'm a little weary on them, and I don't know what they're going to look like. I'm kind of leading the same direction, so I'm glad that somebody agrees with me out here who knows a lot more than I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> I will say Zay Flowers is going to be good, but mm-hmm. I don't think that the expectation that has been set by this whole change with Todd Munkin is going to necessarily live up to expectation. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that there's a connection. Like, you can't just come in overnight yeah. and just open up an offense with a, a team that hasn't done it in Lamar's career to this point. Not saying he can't throw, because he can throw, but right. can can they do this consistently? They have not done this in his entire career because of the way they positioned their offense earlier in his career. So yeah. uh, I just have a hard time believing that it's just going to work overnight. Let me get you out of here with this real quick. You were naming some NFC teams that you think are going to regress a little bit or not perform to maybe what they're being hyped to. Well, who are the other contenders in the NFC behind the, the, the main three that people are talking about in the 49ers, uh, the Cowboys, I think you'd probably throw into the mix, and then the Eagles? Uh contenders i think the saints are going to have something to say they you know they have a veteran quarterback that's kind of the only piece they were really missing the last few years uh, they're going to miss alvin Kamara for a little bit but i think they're prepared to withstand that they got a young you know pass catching group that you know if michael thomas can stay healthy will be better with with Derek carr back there i just think that um overall they're probably positioned best in that division i don't know why but people keep talking like highly about atlanta i don't know if atlanta's pr staff mm. is doing a good job or something but I, and I see it to a degree, but it all hinges on Desmond Ritter because if Desmond Ritter isn't the guy, then you're not really going anywhere, even though they powered their offense by running the ball first last year. But I think the Saints probably could sneak into that conversation. You know, we've we've heard about the Lions. You know, we'll yeah. see, but I, I love their chances. Uh, I'm going to be the person, the person to throw uh, cold water on the Chicago Bears hype fire because I think they're another year away, but they will be more enjoyable to watch. But 
you know, let's not get all excited about this year necessarily. I think that they take their next step, but then let's not throw them in that contender conversation yet. I mean, otherwise, go through the rest of the division, you know, Seattle, they could take the next step, but who knows? I don't really feel that confident about a lot of those teams other than yeah. you know, the Eagles and the Cowboys and, and the Niners. He's Nick Shook, covers the NFL for NFL.com. You can follow him on Twitter at the Nick Shook. Always, always appreciate your insight, Nick. The first of many conversations to come this season. Have a great rest of your Sunday, man. Take care. All right, you too. Thanks. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.